0: As we make, we say his word back to, to him in faith. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the Lord, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as he learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. The message tonight is who will go for us, who will go for us. Isaiah heard those words from the Lord. And we have to cl- uh, crave for the God's presence to show up in our lives. But every time, every time you go to the Lord and you're patient and you have a time with Him, He shows up. And when God shows up, He speaks. God's constantly speaking. God has something to say to you. Even right now, He's speaking to your heart. God's constantly speaking. But you have to hear. And Isaiah said, I heard, I saw the Lord. In the year that Uzziah died, I saw God. I saw Him. On Sunday, I shared with you from uh, John chapter 14, I believe verse 19, Jesus was saying very clearly, a little while longer the world will see me no more, but you will see me. The world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. I used to think, well, we'll see him when he comes back. No, they saw him after he went to the cross and rose again. And Paul saw him because he appeared to Paul. He was constantly giving him instruction. Appearing to Paul and to Peter and all of these guys. Jesus is alive. And we can see him. And when we go into his presence, he shows up and he'll give us instruction. But we have to be listening. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. And then when his lips were touched, he heard the voice of God speaking. Not to him, but just openly to everybody. God wasn't speaking to Isaiah. He just heard it. But God had been speaking. Who will go for us? Who am I going to send? Many times for us Christians, we are so focused on our needs. We're so focused on making it. Because that's the system of the world. That's what we're used to. That's what everybody's talking about. It's about paying the bills, buying something new, building this. That's all we're focused on. But God's focused on nothing else but who will go for us. We don't know how long God was saying that before Isaiah heard it. And the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if God was saying it then, God must still be saying the same thing today. Who will go for us? If God were to have a last meeting with you. If God were to say, well, this is my last one-to-one meeting with you. What do you think he'll be talking to you about? What will... His message to you be. How will He instruct you to live your life after this last meeting? Well, that happened with the disciples before Jesus rose. I mean, before He ascended into heaven. He had this last meeting with His disciples. They were concerned about ruling the world. They said, are you going to deliver the power of the world to Israel right now? Restore Back, Israel, get the Romans off. And Jesus said, It is not for you to know the times and the seasons that the Father has put in his own power. But you will receive power. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power. Power to heal the sick, power to be a witness. For Him, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses to me. First in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and then to the uttermost part of the world. You will be witnesses. Every Christian filled with the Holy Spirit is a witness. Jesus said, you, I believe in Isaiah, Isaiah 43, you are my witnesses, he says. That's back in the Old Testament. You are my witnesses. So God's looking for somebody to be a witness for him. We are all witnesses. He filled them with the Holy Spirit, not for them to have the world, but for them to be witnesses. We tend to forget that. That's the only reason we're here. To be his witnesses to the world. His workers. Those working for him. We're supposed to work for, with him and for him. There is a vineyard there. That God's calling us to work in. And it's very important that we take that to heart. Because God has business, not, not, he's not into anything else, but to help his people to be powerful witnesses. You know, he met with them for 40 days. 40 days, all he was trying to let them know, forget everything that you knew before. The system in, in, in serving God in Israel is going to change. Everything is going to change. I want you to buy into this. So for 40 days, he was teaching them and instructing them. That was the one that was dead, back alive. I'm sure they were listening closely to get what is going on. Even still, they didn't understand it. Until after the Holy Spirit came. You'll be witnesses to me. And so we are to be witnesses. If God were to speak to you about how you should live your life from now on, till you see him, he'd be telling you, you need to be out there getting people into the kingdom. That's all God's concern about. That's why he sent the son to the world. No other reason. There's no other reason. Jesus came into our world and bore everything he had to go through just to get them. Here are believers, you know, all of us. We don't seem to get it. There's, there's only one thing that moves God's heart. And when anyone is fully involved in that, God will deliver all the resources of heaven. Just like he did with uh, Linda. She wanted a go. She told me clearly, I, I don't, I, there's no way I can come up with that money. And up to now, I don't know who did, who gave. And I don't think she does because it's a secret. It's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> but when your heart is in it, God's in it. And if God's in it, He'll make the provision. But your heart has to be in it. God's still looking. God's still looking today. God's still looking for people to work for Him. Maybe not full time. But our heart has to be in it. We give for the ministry so that we can reach them. We are not collecting money just to amass a lot of money for the church. No, we want to spend that money to reach people for God. The time is short. Very short. We have to reach them. You know, at the same time Jesus began his ministry, you think he will be focused on what, what he, he came to do, just the ministry, preaching and all of that. He was doing that and he was healing that people. But guess what else he was doing? He was enlisting people. That's part of it. As soon as he began his preaching, he was preaching, but also going to call people to join him in this mission. He was looking for people to join him and help him. And he stayed with those people. You know, I like what he says in in, uh, John chapter 17. He said, Jesus, having loved his own. He loved them to the end. You know who he was talking about? Those that followed him. Those that he picked and picked himself. He was out looking for people to enlist in them. He loved those people. He asked a lot of questions. But he patiently answered them. And spoke to them. And stayed with them up to the very end. Can you imagine? I'm sure when Jesus was in the grave, he couldn't wait to get back so he can get back with these guys again. He spent so much time with them. He'll do the same thing for us today if our heart is in there. Spending so much time with them. He tells us in Mark chapter 4, He said Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, Peter, and then He saw Andrew. And He called them, come, follow me. And I will, what? Make you fishers of men. I've said it here before. If you follow Jesus, truly follow Jesus, Truly, you are following him, Jesus, no other thing. You want to be a fisher of men. They were casting their nets. And Jesus was telling them, from now on, you have a different kind of net. When you catch fish, you actually take them out of their environment, right? From the water, right? (laughs) You take them from the water... Into a different environment. So what we're doing, we catch men, we take them out of their environment. We don't destroy them, we give them life. With fish, they die after you catch them, right? But with men, when we catch them, we make them come alive. So Jesus was telling them, you're going to be doing a different kind of fishing. Amen. Amen. You cast them and you give them life. And we are responsible. It says, immediately, they left. They left everything. I need you to think for your, think with me tonight. If Jesus were to tell you to leave whatever you're doing now, leave your boat. I don't know what they did with their boat. Have you thought about that? Did they say, oh, Jesus, give us two more days so we can find people to deliver this stuff? No, they left everything. And followed. No No wonder they became so great. Same thing with James and John. Immediately, they left their father, the servants, they were gone. This was important to them. Did they fully understand what we understand today? Did they know exactly what the things we we know today? They didn't have any clue. All they knew was Messiah's calling. We were disciples of John. John has told us that's the Messiah. He needs me. Nothing else matters. Nothing else. Not even my own life matters. Read Matthew chapter 19. Peter said, we've left everything to follow you. We left all. Are we willing to give everything today? How would you feel if you are told by Jesus, please turn by uh, Highway 6 and 290 and, and invite people to, to church? What did you say? They will think I'm a beggar. I don't know if I can do that. Is there no other way to get that done? That's the flesh. That's the flesh. Some people cannot even knock on people's doors because we're afraid of being rejected. This is really serious business. Sometimes I think what's happening in the church today, everybody's wanting something that God's going to give to them to make life better for us here, right? And God is not opposed to that. But God says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and these other things are going to be added. We need to follow through with this. I know I wanted to speak this to us so we stay mindful of this. This is God's number one job. God's number one job. When we go to Africa, uh, it it doesn't take too long before I want to go back home. And my Nigerian friend says, this is your home. I said, no, it's not. (laughs) I'm going back to America. It's, It's really nice over there. I'm kidding. So it's never fun going there uh, in that regard. But I have fun because I see people coming to God. A lot of them. And it's fun to go back because those that came in, they're still back, they're still there in church. Now they're grown. And they can preach now. It's wonderful. Very dynamic what God's doing. It's so satisfying. When I'm over there, I don't get tired. I, I'm up very early late. I remember, I've shared this before. I think but, uh, Pastor Andy, remember, uh, this is Mel, Mel Fields. He was with me in one of those meetings. And we were constantly going. And I had Papa with me. Papa was 80 years old. When I brought Papa, Papa said, I want to go to Africa. And he went with me. I told the Africans when, while I was waiting for them. I said, I have an 80-year-old man. He's coming to preach to us. They said, what? 80 years old? Do you want to kill him? I said, no. <laughs> I said, when you meet him, you'll realize. And I used Papa like Because our culture, if you're from Africa, there is this thing about respect. It's very strong. So I knew, I knew that if I tell Papa to tell them, you come give your life right to Christ right now, they will listen to Papa. He's 80 years old. They will do whatever he says. So I put Papa in front always to share with them. And Papa will tell them. And Papa gives. They run down. The children as well. They love Papa. So I make Papa preach a lot. Amen. And Papa was praying for the sick as well. I was having fun. Papa, <laughs> this is funny. Here, we went to this village in uh, in uh, uh, Nigeria. There, uh, uh, very deep into the village, these where the places I love to go. And I could tell these kids; they grew up. The the uh, uh, foreigners, when they come, they usually stay in the cities. They don't go to the villages. And I knew that some of these young children, they had never seen a white man before. No offense. (laughs) A mama was carrying this little boy that they had prayed for was healed. And he was like, (laughs) He was like, where did you come from? I never seen anything like this. It was funny. But I looked and I saw him. He was carrying a bed. He moved away from her. He's like, <laughs> looking into her face. But the love of Jesus. It wasn't too long. He was comfortable. and was with her. They were playing around, rolling around. I mean, I felt so fulfilled. It was such a joy to see them saved. See them come back to Christ. And see the joy in the village. It was it was—it was, It was an incredible thing. I mean, I could stay there for for days. And I was talking about Mel. We had gone so much, no rest. One day he said, "Uh, brother, good luck. Since we came from America, we have not rested. He said, no rest. We're constantly going. He's younger than Papa. Papa could kill us. He was ready to go. (laughs) But I said to him, hey, okay, that's fine you stay home, and the rest of us will go. We'll pick you up in the evening. He said, no way. You're kidding me. I'm going with you guys. <laughs> he was with us all. And, and it's an amazing thing. When he left, because I see them to the airport, I had no chance, no opportunity to visit with my family, because we were so busy. They just knew I was around. And with them, when they were going back, I had to take them to the airport. To was the Mel was crying. He had tears in his eyes. He said, I want to go home, but I want to stay. I just want to stay. Because every day, we were seeing people come to Christ. Genuinely. And in church, happy. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Healed. It's so satisfying, I'm telling you. Try. Be obedient to God. Share with people about this Jesus that can transform their lives. We have the power. We're thinking that they don't want it. That's a lie. They want it. I wanted it when I saw my friend serving God, Samuel, the one that led me to the Lord, he was always singing, I know heaven, I know that heaven is mine. That's all. He was constantly singing that song everywhere. He, his voice was horrible. But he sang that song all the time. I know heaven, heaven is mine. He sang them. I mean, uh, you won't shut your ears off when he sang. But then people would curse at him. And he would yell back at them that he was going to heaven. And I thought to myself, I thought we were all supposed to just hope. Will make it. But this guy knows he's going to make it. I like to know that too. And I made the mistake of telling him, I like to be just like you. He said, Yeah, that was a mistake because as soon as it came out of my mouth, this fellow would not let me rest. He came after me constantly. But thank God he did and stayed with me. There are people out there that are waiting for you. Only you can lead them to Christ. Nobody else. Just you. Pastor Kent. They are willing to hear from you. And you've been anointed by the Holy Spirit. To win them to Christ. When I'm, when I'm out. Like we go back to Nigeria. i just believe I mean God's will. Amen. Perfect will. So, I can, del- I can tell them openly, God's going to do miracles tonight. How do I know that? Because I'm in His perfect will. He won't disappoint. When you preach the gospel, the Bible says, He walked with them, confirming the word, with signs following. Everything I tell them, He does. Amen. I tell them, God's going to do this for you tonight. They're happy to hear that. But God's also hearing what's going on. And he confirms the word that they speak with signs followed. You want signs in your life? You want God to do unusual things in your life, your family's life? Preach the gospel. Reach out to people for him. I was glad when I found Covert. There's another place to go instead of going to Nigeria. (laughs) That's a good place to go. Yes, I enjoy it. I'm, I, the joy that I feel every time I go to Calvert, I, I, I can't explain it. Just to, to be out in the streets like that, talking to people. That's God's number one business. It says in Matthew, beginning from verse 35, Jesus went about preaching the gospel Every city. He was going from city to city. And going to synagogues. And preaching the gospel. Healing every sick. And every disease among the people. He was doing that. And that's an amazing thing. Then he turned around and he looked at the multitude. And he felt compassion for them. He's been walking with them. He's been praying for them. He's been teaching for teaching them. But then he turned around and saw them and felt compassion for them. Because they were weary. That word weary there means they were harassed and helpless. Harassed, helpless, and hopeless. You know, Satan is harassing people a lot. All over, And we have the power. Many of us were here the other day. There was a lady that came to our church that a demon had attacked. You remember? She spoke from here. And she was scared. She was running back and forth. It's a, a lady that came here. few. Some of us remember that. That a demon really attacked. And she was afraid. The one that a, a demon came back the demon came back with one that was bigger than himself. Remember that? Well, she was very worried. harassed. But thank God we know the truth. Amen. All, we, all I did was tell her the truth. You do this and do that. This is going to take care of the problem. But she was running. She wouldn't sleep in her house. She's, she was afraid. Why? Because she didn't know the truth. I didn't pray for her. All I did was instruct her from the word of God. And you have the power to deliver them from being aroused by Satan. Because you know the truth. Once you deliver the truth to them, and they hear the truth, the truth will free them. But somebody has to be telling them the truth. God needs somebody. How can they preach except they be sent? So God's looking for people to preach to them, to share with them, and that's what Jesus was doing. But Jesus was also enlisting people to do the same, to preach the gospel. Demons are harassing. Look at what's happening today in the United States. It's a lot of confusion. People don't know what the truth is anymore. Things that were heeded before now become acceptable. And if you, you can't speak the truth anymore, things have changed. Who is behind all of this? The enemy. Why? Because Christians are not telling them the truth. People are afraid to speak. They are afraid to speak. At the work where you work, I wish I were in college. I know I will be fighting with all those liberal students in school telling me it's okay. Uh, We'll have a good fight. And say, if you want to burn in hell, you can go ahead. That's your problem. And then they want to fight you. But I'm telling them the truth. Because deep inside they know the truth. They know that this is wrong. They know it. The one thing you got to answer to God about these things that you say you believe. He said they were like sheep without a shepherd. So who is going to be the shepherd? You and I. To guide them. He turned to his disciples and he said the harvest truly is plentiful. In other words, they want this. Amen? Laborers, that's the problem. Not the people wanting it. It's laborers. That's the issue here. Pray for laborers. Therefore, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest. You know, in uh, Isaiah chapter 5 verse 7, the people of Israel, the people of Israel, God regard as part of his vineyard. The people of Judah, the same thing. And said, but God said in that same verse, he said, when I look, he was looking for justice. He couldn't find that. There was no justice there. And when he looked for righteousness, all he heard was A cry. People were crying for help. So the vineyard, Israel, is the household of Israel, is the vineyard of the Lord. Maybe you can put that up for me. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 7. The house of Israel is God's vineyard. But the house of Israel, that's Old Testament. The world today is God's vineyard. The sons of Judah, pleasant plants, he says. He looked for justice, but all he found was oppression. And when he looked for righteousness, it was a cry for help. That's what's happening in the world. That's why when Jesus looked, he felt compassion for them. Because they were being harassed and oppressed by Satan. And God's needing us to go out there and minister to them. Pray for these people. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, and that's what Jesus did. He brought them out. And this is Matthew chapter nine. Do you know what Jesus did? If you go all all the way to Matthew chapter ten, after saying this, the next thing Jesus was doing was sending, his, calling his disciples, twelve of them, sending them out to go everywhere right after this particular chapter. This was the end of the uh, chapter 9. So he sends them out. Because God's looking for laborers. I, John chapter one, uh, 15 verse 1. I am the vine. And you are the branches. The father is what? That's the lord of the harvest. God is the lord. But he's looking for laborers if you read in Matthew chapter 20 from verse 1 through 7 he said the owner of the vineyard was he kept going out looking for laborers to work in his vineyard even the 11th hour you know the scripture he still went out and found some men standing he says you're not working come in God is the owner of the vineyard. The vineyard is the world. We are to labor for him. And he says, if you work for me in my vineyard, I'll pay you. If you work for God in his vineyard, he's going to pay you. Nobody works for God and not get paid. God's going to pay you. I believe uh, Matthew I mean, sorry, John chapter 4, verse 36, Jesus said, He who reaps receives wages. So God pays those who. Why? Because it's labor. God's asking you to work for Him. Once you are born again, God's asking you to work for Him. Who will go for us? Who will I send? Are we willing to go for him? Are we willing to be sent? There's somebody out there that is looking for you. My time is gone tonight. But I wanted to share this because this is what the Ark Fellowship is all about. It's not just to gather people around and say we have a good church. That's all meaningless. We have to really reach out to people and make sure that they are saved. And when they are saved, we follow them. We are passionate. We go after them. We try to disciple them. We do everything that we can to make sure that they are disciples. It's very important. This is not a club here. We are here to reach out to souls, to pray for them. And thank God, if we agree in prayer, God answers. We see God answering a lot of prayers here. But we need to reach out to people. This is what's going to happen. I know this for sure. You know what's gonna happen? You go to work and you're sitting close by somebody, and all of a sudden you are thinking, Maybe I should witness to this person. Guess who is talking to you? The Lord of the harvest. Or sometimes as soon as you hear that that voice in your head, or you're thinking, you know, and then I write, see this is the way it works. You know how I know I've been there. <laughs> As soon as you hear that voice in your head, uh, another voice says, this is not the right place. <laughs> Guess who is speaking this time? The enemy. He doesn't want you to do it. He doesn't want you to do it. And he's going to show you, you look around the room. Guess who? He's telling you, look around the room. Say, this is not the right place. Maybe find another time. That's the time to speak. Amen? Because he can't tell the truth. If he tells you it's not right to do it, that's the right time to do it. Because they may be hungry. I'm going to close with this story. When I came to the U.S., I, I, I came uh, bec- uh, feeling that I may not survive my Christian life. <laughs> In fact, my pastor later confessed to me that we were very scared for you, that you might uh, you know, just walk away from your faith. He told me they, they were all afraid, and I knew it. I didn't know what was in the United States, the good life and all of that stuff. And some of people had come to the U.S. and they had gone back. You know, when they came back, they were using four-letter words. He says, That's the way Americans speak. All these four-letter words come out of these guys that were in church. And, and this one fellow said, why, are you, why do you want to go to the U.S.? Please tell me, tell me. Why? You see all these brothers, they were were leaders in our church. When they came back, they were using folate. You, we consider you to be one of the weak ones in the church. and You will make it. But for some reason, I wanted to go to the United States. And I thought there must be some... In those days, we used the word backsliding. You know that word, backsliding a lot? I thought in my mind, there was something, there was a demon called backsliding. And if you let him get on your back, it's over. So I came to the U.S. very afraid. Wondering... If you moved, I thought that was the demon. (laughs) I'm not letting you get on my back. That was the way I thought. So I developed a, a strategy of fighting. I was preaching at anything that moved. You know why? It was a defensive thing. So if I keep preaching at them, that demon will not have any room to get on my back. So I preached to anything. I went knocking on doors. I will arrest them. No way. I'm going back. Uh, uh, those brothers, they will see. But I didn't know what was making them go back from God. But as I did that, I remember coming back from school, the very first time I started doing that, the devil told me, I know now he's the devil, he said, if you do that, all of these students will be watching you, and, and if you make any mistake, then because of you, they will never follow God. I thought about that for a while. I said, well, that's okay. I'll still do this. But the interesting thing, I was doing this, one day I came back from school, I mean from classes. I lived in the dump. And, the, you know, it, there was a, a a young man, he was in his room. And he had, in those days he had this earphone, it's not the little ones that you have now. It's this big one, it covers the whole ear. And uh, I walked by his room to go to my room. And he was playing his uh, rock music. And I heard in my spirit, go and witness to that fellow. I said, no, no way I'm doing that. You see, he's enjoying his rock music. And uh, I just got back from school. I'm tired. And I just don't want to do that. I don't think he's going to listen. He's more interested in his his rock music. And he's not going to listen to me. But I couldn't rest. He just, that voice kept, you know, you got to go talk to him. You got to go talk to him. You got to go talk to him. So out of frustration, usually I prepare all of my Roman roads, You know those scriptures? The Roman road scriptures. All I've seen and I've come short of the glory of God and all of that. But this time, I had no time to prepare. Out of frustration, I just went, knocked on his door, and the guy saw me. He just threw everything up and walked up to me. Uh, uh, to listen to me he said, oh, can may I help you and because I wasn't ready I just started talking but I didn't it wasn't making sense I knew I wasn't making sense <laughs> but I kept talking and as I was talking he had this grin you know like smiling to himself I said to myself you see Lord I told you I'm not making sense. Now he's mocking at me. See, look look at the grin in his face. This is so silly. I shouldn't have done this. So I told myself, I'm going to collect myself, pull myself back together and get all my scriptures in my head and I'll come after this fellow. And then uh, as soon as I got through that, I said uh, I I needed to stop. I said, sir, uh, you have any question? You can ask. He looked at me, still grinning. He said, I don't have any question. He said, it's amazing that you came to my door. Last night I was telling God, if you exist, then send somebody to come and talk to me. That's how he ended. I felt, I felt like a true evangelist then. I was really preaching the gospel right now. I, I was so joyful. I went back to my room. I, did, I can't even tell you what I said to him. I said absolutely nothing. No message. But he had received Christ. He threw his stuff away. He had his Bible. The few minutes I went to my room and I wanted to talk to him about some assemblies of God. Church in town where he could go get filled with the Holy Ghost and all of that. And uh, I went back to his room. He had his Bible in front of him. No more rock music. He was reading his Bible. I went back to my room, I was shouting, This is good. I really obeyed God. No. But this is what happens when you make up your mind to reach. They're looking for it. Stand up with me tonight.